Yakima Chief Hops is a 100% grower-owned hop supplier with a mission to connect brewers worldwide with the family farms that grow their hops. YCH is proud to provide brewers in Australia and New Zealand with quality hop products and brewing solutions to elevate their beers. Learn more at yakimachief.com. As you know, Matt and I get into in-depth conversations (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just sitting there with my popcorn. Welcome to Brews News Week, recorded on 2nd June 2022. I'm Matt Kirkegaard, founder and editor of Brews News, and I'm joined by oh. award-winning senior journalist Claire Burnett and industry <laughs> consultant Sabrina Kunz. Oh, stop it, you No, no, so, as she's sort of doing this sort of bringing, bringing up, up mess, no, no, no. Uh, hand gestures. Congratulations, Claire. We Thank can't let that go. So, Thank yeah, you. It was lovely to see. Thank you all. Um, and I'd just like to say, uh, you know I'm not very sappy as a person but I do appreciate and love all of you people in the office. I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> it was actually really lovely um, yeah, to see. Thank really you to nice. our um, <laughs> Bruce News Group, because obviously 900 people in a room all celebrating you. Um, at, well, well not ma- maybe me. some of them. <laughs> maybe some other breweries and beers. <laughs> <You know, laughs> not just me. Can't write nicely about everybody. So <laughs> hopefully, yeah, but anyway, it, it, it was nice that by the time I finally got to the phone to post something, People who weren't there were already sort of congratulating you in uh, Bruce News, uh, the Radio Bruce News group. So th- thank you to all of the uh, yeah, sort of people that listened to this that um, supported. But, uh, but most importantly, thank you to you. And, uh, you know, very, very, very excited um, when I found out the embargoed results. <laughs> 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 I can't believe you kept quiet all day as well. Good uh, thing I didn't see you. <laughs> well, actually, for those who listened but weren't there, I was um, the voice of God um, MC. So Kiralee, the wonderful Kiralee who did an amazing job on stage, um, was on stage and I was the voice of God from the back of the room um, MCing there. But we had a run through a couple of days before and then on the day. And so you've, you've got all of the results because you have to learn pronunciations and make sure you do all of that. Which, well done. There was a German brewery in there that I was like, oh my God, Matt, if you had to Somebody just... Somebody actually came up to me and congratulated me on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was um, which was interesting. A lot of work, you yep, know, sort yep. of... Uh, but um, <laughs> the, the worst thing is that we had about half an hour out the front and people come up and, you know, Moffat Beach and people... Uh, some uh, Actually, Muzzin Hajar spoke to me earlier in the day and he goes, have you got the results? No, nah, mate, I don't have the results. <gasps> I don't have the results. Straight going, face. He, he won oh. the champion... Um, Vic- or Champion Large Brewery. And, Champion Large Brewery, yeah. You know, you just instinctively knowing it's such a battle not to go, oh, my good congratulations, <laughs> because you just assume everybody knows, and they don't. But, yeah, so, oh, but congratulations. But it, thank you. Yeah. And it was wonderful. It was a great evening. So, um, we'll talk about it in a minute, shall we? We shall. <laughs> we had a good time. I'll but stop myself there. On, on that, uh, award-winning senior journalist Claire Burnett will now tell you the news <laughs> of the week. I will. So uh, with, 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 with added sparkle. Yeah. Um, so as we've been discussing, uh, the AIBAs last week uh, 
We had some amazing wins. It was a brilliant night. Uh, 2,634 entries from 355 exhibitors. Um, WA's Beerland Brewing won Champion Australia Beer Award for the second time um, after it first won in 2018. And then Moffat Beach, Stomping Ground and Hawkers each took home a Champion Brewery Trophy. And that's not even to mention all of the medals, all of the other trophies. Uh, It was just a fantastic um, night. And we followed up with some of the winners. Uh, Ken Arrowsmith uh, from Beerland Brewing, head brewer uh, Beerland. Um, we were talking about the relevance and why you go for awards like this. Uh, and he said that um, the obvious marketing opportunities as a result of actually winning something, they exist, but you do have to be prepared to do something with it. If you aren't going to capitalize on winning any award, it makes you feel good and it might impress your friends, but unless you find ways of effectively communicating that to the public, it's not going to give you a massive boost to your sales or suddenly turn a small brewery into a large brewery. It's much more complicated than that, I think. Um, and I think that's a very fair response to that one. And obviously they were really chuffed with their award win, um, but really interesting um, chats that... Um, our journalist Vivian Topalovich had with a couple of the winners as well. So uh, go check out that um, follow-up coverage. Now, uh, interesting news uh, this week, and to some extent not surprising, but pioneering Red Oak Beer Cafe um, to close its doors. It has indeed. Do so you want me to take this one? Yes, yeah, this, one. this so, was a uh, Matt yeah. one. This was a Matt one. Pioneering Australian craft brewery Red Oak has announced it will be closing its doors to its Sydney Beer Cafe in June. Owners, uh, brother and sister Janet and David Holyoke, announced in a statement that the pandemic was a contributing factor to closing the cafe. The statement said that while the CBD Cafe is closing, the business would be opening its brewery to consumers for the first time in 18 years. The brewery functioning as a consumer-facing venue represents a significant change in attitude for the business, which I have to say was just foundational and transformative in in so many ways, Um, and it's very sad to see it close. But for a long time, and very oddly, the brewery refused to even confirm its address. Um, You know, most breweries are willing to let people come in and visit and welcome it. They were reluctant to even give the address. Um, uh, which may tie into some of the lack of relevance that they've managed to uh, maintain over the years. But anyway, it'll be great to finally see the brewery. Um, you know, <laughs> I've, I've have you actually never been, Matt? You've never been. Never uh, been. No. Um, and well, we might yeah blow we'll the blow fold, fold like that. So yeah, but it's look very, very, very sad because they were, you know, incredibly relevant, incredibly exciting, um, you know, brewery, and uh, it's a shame, and I'm. Going, to, I'm going to be in Sydney next week, so I might even see if I can just sort of sneak in for one last, uh, mm-hmm. one, one one last beer. Yeah, maybe if you're good. But more Australians seeking help for alcohol says Fair. Last week, Fair, and um, we do try and at Bruce News be fair. Uh, in our coverage Um, so this was an interesting one from Fair Um, they reported that the number of Australians seeking out alcohol support services is climbing according to a new report monitoring alcohol use and harms during COVID in Australia the report found that Australians made over 25,000 calls to the National Alcohol and Other Drug Hotline in 2021 triple the number seen pre-pandemic in 2019 an interesting spin on that one um, but again we'll bring that below the fold Next one up is a little bit more of a brew. Well, it's a bre- definitely a brewery pro. It's a little bit more of a uh, analysis, sort of deep dive. Um, obviously, we saw the end of uh, hop harvests. Oh God, it'll be last month before March. last now. Yeah, yeah, month before last. End of March. Um, so uh, we sort of we wanted to have a chat. We haven't seen any new hops really that much recently. We have seen one from the. Um, 
US Department of Agriculture very recently, Vista launch. Um, but we wanted to have a little look into how these hops actually get to market. And we obviously know it's a really long process. Um, so had a chat to Yakima Chief Hops, Hop Products Australia and NZ Hops about the challenges of new hop development, keeping up with uh, brewer demands, consumer tastes, um, and balancing that with agronomics and the difficulties of hop breeding over that kind of period obviously takes sometimes well over 10 years and in one case nearly 20. Um, So I had a chat to each of them about the launch of Talus Nectaron and Eclipse. So it was a really interesting deep dive into uh, the fine art that is the development of new hops and hop breeding programs. Which yeah it's a little bit a little bit propeller cap talking about it but it's incredibly important and it's 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 when hops drive the brewing industry. So as I say a number of times, I love sitting here and reading things in my own publication. <laughs> that I sort of go, Gee, I'll be pleased to read this anyway. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. Um, and finally, uh, Red Dot Brewhouse Brewery in Melbourne for sale. It is indeed. So this is, and um, full disclosure, this is also an ad, um, but... Given that um, we also covered Red Oak this week, um, thought that we would mention uh, Red Dot Brewhouse, so Singaporean business that came into Australia, I believe in 2014, but it's been in, in Melbourne a fair few years now. However, um, during COVID, their owners, they went back to Singapore and... I think a lot of people have seen that. We've obviously seen that with a lot of moves at um, Lion and CB, for instance, that we've discussed in previous podcasts. It's a lot of realising what you want in life and maybe changing that as a result of COVID. So um, they're going back to Singapore and um, up for grabs is now Red Dot's brew house in Melbourne, uh, custom built with 14 fermentation tanks, uh, 3000 litre Newlands brew house, uh, fast speed bottling line, all sorts of good stuff. Um, but just an interesting move. Um, we've sort of seen Red Dot um, face some challenges in previous years, some of their own making and some of them um, <laughs> related to COVID. So uh, yeah, interesting to see that one. And if you want a brew house, give them a call. And that is pretty much the news that you need in, in some fairly significant stories this week. Um, but that's some news you need. And uh, if you need to get back to the brew house or to the sales calls, that's the news. If you're not, if you want to hear what we think about the news, then join us below the fold. Anyone want to discuss anything from there? I mean, clearly, AIBA's big news. Can I just say, Phil Meddings, who I know listens, <laughs> told me at the IBA lunch beforehand that I had to give a 10-minute speech when I presented the Pilsner Award, and I bricked it. I was like, oh, my God, Phil, do I have-? And then I was like, oh, you're just pulling my leg out, you get. <laughs> I'd forgotten you presented the award because, you know, like that was... It was so early on in the yeah, night. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it, look, one of the things that I... Well, congratulations, first of all, to, to the um, uh, Melbourne Royal for a stellar performance. You know, I've been to events now for probably 16, 17 years. And when I first went there, it was pretty much, you know, 80% of the seats were taken by people from the two big, you know, two or three big brewers, pretty much, you know, Men only, mm-hmm. um, from memory, um, and you know the, the 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 presentation of beer was waiters walking around with stubbies of beer, and so you know, I remember sort of grabbing a beer off a tray, and it was a Belgian quad, not served in a glass, not and just going, are, are you serious? And then to see the event this week, where 
beer and food matching, nice glassware, um, you know, those elements of the best celebration of beer um, to the industry was wonderful. I'd love to see more of that um, going to consumers, consumers seeing beer given that sort of uh, platform. But then also the way that the night ran, that they cut out any... You know, with 900 people all drinking in the room, these things can quickly get away. It's very hard to keep everyone's attention. They really ran a tight ship in terms of the program, and it was a really pleasant event, really enjoyable event that was respectful to all winners. Um, you know, so just congratulations. I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful night. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, just on that, like as somebody who – so in New Zealand, our event is 500-seated, um, and it is such a, such a massive, massive event to put on. Um, but we know that, you know, the industry wants to come together for mm. that. And so I think that's such a, you know, like part of what makes the AIBA so special is that it's sort of in the whole nation's sort of beer diary as a as a must-attend event. And so much of what makes it great is just people wanting to spend time together and that's sort of more true now than it was even a couple of years ago. So that side of it is you know, it's always so nice. I'm devastated I wasn't there and obviously oh. devastated I didn't see Claire get up on stage. But, <laughs> um, you know, like that's part of why because people can't get together. So that was one thing I wanted to add. And then the second was I thought this was really valuable feedback from um, Beerland around the ability to capitalise on their win. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we always heard um, running the New Zealand Beer Awards was like why isn't there more promotion of winners by the Brewers Guild, um, and I know that those um, comments are raised in relation to every one of the competitions that exist in Australia for winners, and it's really, really hard to break into mainstream media. So beyond promoting it mm-hmm. um, into sort of the beer uh, channels, but as the events organisers to break into mainstream media, and we've seen a bit of it um uh, Sunshine uh, Moffat Beach, you know, managed to get onto the news, and and but that's with each of the breweries really being ready to go if they've won, mm. you know. So it's beyond it's beyond something that um, Melbourne Royal or any of the competitions can leverage. They can obviously send out press releases, yeah. but it's those personal one on one media relationships that each brand is cultivating with and, its local, and mm-hmm. with its local and with whatever it's you know, how it wants to target consumers, um, and with its local media that is so important. Because as um, you know, Matt, you've said in the office, you know, there are state governments who are not interested yes, <laughs> in yeah. supporting or promoting winners. So it really leaves it up to, and that advice, um, you know, it really leaves it up to the breweries to to really have a plan. Like, what are you going to do if you win? And How are you going to make the most of it? Exactly. And so, like, absolute kudos to uh, Melbourne Royal because they did a, like, a PR toolkit. So I think they sent that around to all the winners and stuff. Mm. And it basically has, like, a template press release and like how to get in touch with like local journalists and it has like a full pack of like how to do this and how to capitalize on your win and all that kind of stuff so if you win and you're a small brewer and didn't know what to do with it go and have a look that was really it was I didn't know they did it I didn't I don't know if they've ever done it before but um it was just really impressive and and that's the thing you know with so many major winners and then so many you know high gold Mm -hmm. um winners you no one organization can take on 
the promotion of the awards as yep. well as the you know just even running go go watch the video as they set up for the judging. The, yeah. The, oh my god. Yeah. What's involved in just setting this thing up and then running the event mm-hmm. um, is uh, it, it, ultimately yep. the heavy lifting and the platform is created by the awards, and it's it's up to individual brewers to leverage off uh, mm-hmm. you know, off it afterwards. Yeah. Exactly. But I do understand. You know, I do understand that th- that. The, the, the thinking, yep. well, you know, they should be promoting us, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yeah. So, any surprises, yeah. anyone? One of the ones that I wanted to talk about, and, and you see discussion on the Facebook groups, you know, um, about how can X beer win Y trophy? Yeah. Um, when, you know, because I don't like that beer, you know, <laughs> the, the, like the Australian lager category is always a classic, you yeah, know, if, yeah. if like Han Superdry, for example, wins or something like that. Go and read the style description yeah. of the beer. You know, the, the, there is no beer coming out of any major international brewery that in a quality sense isn't just next level. So quality is there. And then it comes down to how it matches the style description and wh- whether it meets the criteria for that beer. Just because you don't like that beer, you don't like that flavour profile, you don't like that doesn't make it a bad but just because you don't like big multinational breweries doesn't mean that they they don't mean it just some of the stupid ignorant um <laughs> comments uh you know uh, uh, about the awards and saying well you know the head brewers were from this brewery and you know from cub in line of course people who don't understand the process of judging that it's all blind you know they, they don't know what they're but judging so- so Matt, maybe like so. I guess I would I would break it down this way, which says so. So for people who may not know, the process is that the style guidelines used and published by the AIBA and most other significant competitions in Australasia are based on the US Brewers Association style guidelines, which has approximately last time I looked it was about 153 individual beer styles with very specific parameters and descriptions about what constitutes that beer what what, what constitutes that style and not every beer made in our marketplace anymore fits neatly within Mm -hmm. one Mm. of those 153 styles so um so there may be a beer that is in and of itself an absolutely cracking beer but it is just not a perfect representation of any one of those 153 styles it's it's an it's an oval trying to go into the round Thing on That's your little right. um, mm-hmm. Tupperware yeah. shape yep. sorter. Yep. <laughs> and the how's reason that, that, how's that for an analogy? Good one. <laughs> That's definitely an old person analogy. <laughs> <laughs> don't children have, don't children have yeah. Tupperware shape shifters yeah. anymore? Yeah. I don't so, know. I haven't met a child in a while. <laughs> anyway, oh, I, I, um, I digress. So those 153 styles are reviewed every year and um, to see whether they reflect the market. Once those 153 styles, they're then organised into groups that allow beers um, that are sort of fit together, for want of a better word, then this can be, those 153 can be cut into various types of groups and then that the beers judged within each of those individual 153 get medals um, and then within that group, a champion is retasted. All of the process from 
selecting a beer, which selecting the category, that is part of the skill of a brewer to know where to put their beer, to really understand the sensory aspects of the beer, the parameters and select it. It goes all the way through. It's um, relabeled twice during judging so that judges have no idea what beer they're being served. Mm. It's then tasted in the context of the AIBA sometimes multiple times and then beers within a larger category that are compared against one another are retasted for the best representation of that of the beer of the style class that they've entered. So it's not even a competition as against one another. It's a competition between the beer and it being the best exemplar of that style. The only time you see it being which is the very best beer is when you get into best beer. And so I think, you know, Maybe folks who don't spend a lot of time, as much time on beer competitions are not aware of every nuanced step. But if you are a small brewery or a brewer considering entering awards, as I have done multiple times and you have done, Matt, as well, um, go and steward a competition, be it um, your local competition or at the AIBAs and you will very quickly see what all the steps are that are involved and that may help you in the future to understand how to enter the competition well. <sighs> Sabrina Kuhn's the voice of reason. I know. <laughs> so me, me just is. sort of launching off on a tirade <laughs> and uh, you're no, actually trying to change the world. Well done. Well, <laughs> no, I that is that great advice. That there's a process there and, and it is in part gamesmanship, right, understanding where to enter your beers is so much a part of the challenge. Then, of course, you know, like Moffat Beat, so they have a calendar of when their beers need to be pulled out of tank to be sent to their competition so that mm. they are sending the freshest beer. Which is, I think, what Black Ops, which has been very successful locally, have also done. You know, when you look at the packaging. Yep. Uh, the dates of the beers yeah. are being pulled out at their prime. I, I know, I, I mean, I can mention the various breweries in New Zealand that do precisely this. So, you know, winning awards, yes, it's on the greatest beer um, and, you know, like stomping ground, I've been saying for a while, every single beer I, I have of theirs I absolutely love. And so it was great to see them, you know, up on the list. But, um, you know, understanding where your beers fit in the, in the class, what is the correct class for them, making sure that you are actually providing your best version of that beer so your best product and not entering it if it is not a great product you know there are steps that are within your control um, that can assist you in the competition process mm. I, I might even um and, and just putting this out there just even have a sit down with uh justin fox who was one of the mm. three judges um because warren pawsey tina panutsis and justin were the co-head judges this year and the, the only reason to say Justin is because he's not a, um, a you know affiliated brand with, affiliate. Yeah, yep. um, with one of the big big brewers and sort of talk about that um, and, and just yeah, sort of created just a general, not even a branded podcast for for us, but just sort of a general. This is how beer judge, judging is run. Well, Justin and I spent, so Justin judges the NZBA, the Brewers Guild as well for years, and we've sat down and had conversations around this ad nauseum. Mm. Um, so he's a great resource on that. Now, moving on, uh, pioneering Red Oak Beer Cafe to closed doors, and it's really just amplifying my um, I, I, one of the very, very first paid articles I ever wrote about beer, as opposed to just blogging or writing or um, things like that, was about 
Red Oak. And that was when I met uh, David and Janet at Hollyoke. Um, and that was probably in 2004, 2005. So, what, 17 years ago? And having come into beer, having met um, people like Ian Watson, who's been a guest on this program again, who is, you know, who was Australia's first professional working beer sommelier doing beer and food matching and then to walk into a cafe that was dedicated not only you know so they had a brewery they were making beers and there were styles of beers you know uh, Frambois um, they were making a blackberry wheat beer they were doing Baltic porters they were doing um, you know beer styles from around the world that beer drinkers had been trying had hearing of trying to get and they were making them fresh and just so many to style, um, to you know, really high style, and I, I think they won in the two thousand and five AIBAs. They won thirty five medals, including trophies, and you know, uh, just swags and swags of trophies because they were just so good. But then to walk into the cafe where they celebrated beer, and I think they had about, I think they had at least a dozen to twenty different glass. Um, you know, shapes and sizes because every beer had a glass. And if you speak to anybody in hospitality, the challenges of maintaining, you know, washing, storing, um, training for just for that one detail alone um, was just extraordinary. And they were so far ahead of their time with what they were doing. And that's before you look at the staff training. Um, I was speaking to uh, Zara, who was with Brewdog for a while. Um, she got her start in beer working at uh, Red Oak and just talked about how much she learned there. This was before there was a Cicerone program. This was just the force of the personality of, you know, David Holyoke and his desire, you know, to not compromise on his vision for what beer should be. And it was just extraordinary. And I could sort of break down every element of what they did and, you know, talk about five or six minutes celebrating it. And there was just such a refusal to compromise on anything. But there's that saying that every strength can be a weakness. And to some extent, um, you know, Red Oak was a you know, was an island in a very collegiate industry. And, uh, you know, as I said, um, wouldn't even tell you the address of the place. And I said, oh, I'd love to see the brewery. No, can't see it. Um, wouldn't invite you in. There were, you know, legion stories about, you know, deliveries having been left at the door because they didn't want the driver coming in. Brett Stubbs, um, who writes for us about beer history and is just one of the most passionate, you know, bits of honest people in the world. You know, it wasn't even allowed to know the address um i would ask david you know because you're doing a story on a brewery and you know one of the things that you report on is how big it how big you know what wouldn't tell you that because it was he didn't want anybody knowing his uh, story and uh, you know some articles that i wrote about they did a a brilliant wee heavy ale that with blue cheese was just you know i'm just sort of sitting here just <laughs> Eyes closed. No, just picturing <laughs> what a magic experience it was. So I'm really going off. But it, it, you can't say enough how good this was. But I wrote an article um, about beer and about wee heavies, and there was uh, Brew Boys in Adelaide. They also did a um, Peter Scotch Ale and phoned them up and sort of say, so how much Pete was in your grist? And they'd sort of 7% from memory. Um, and then you pick up the phone to David Holyoke and sort of say, uh, you know, how much have you, I'm not telling you. And you go, why? Well, I don't want anyone to make it the same. You go, you know, like it's <laughs> as if one detail was, you know, 
uh, and there was just that mindset that it's us against everybody to some extent, which then, you know, when the craft beer association was forming um, and it was going to include the big brewers, um, David formed the, uh, it was uh, instrumental in forming the Australian Real Craft Beer Association that, you know, was a it was Judean people's front, people's front of Judea, you know, infighting, not looking at the, you know, the, the better of the industry. And, you know, those sorts of things ran side by side. And I, I, I just can't help but think that they played a little bit of a role in Red Oak becoming a little bit less relevant mm-hmm. um, to an industry. Um, so it's very, 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 very sad. So what do you think about this then? Because just skipping forward to mailbag yep. a little bit. Thank you to okay. www.nzaletrail.com or well at done. NZ Ale Trail on social media for the best beer experiences in New Zealand. Uh, Andrew Faz says, not at all surprising to be honest, Ari Red Oak. Yep. Uh, back in the day, their beers were a revelation to many, but their beer never improved or kept up with the necessary quality and diversity of the scene. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, look, and it probably is um, because... Absolutely. Like 15 years ago, they were revolutionary. And it would be, you know, there's something that's a little bit heartbreaking if a brewery can't just, to quote Dr. Tim Cooper, stick to its knitting and make, you know, extremely high quality versions of classic beer styles and survive, you know, if that's your niche. Um, I mean, I don't know where they've made. I haven't been there for, for, you know... least five years um so i don't know what their their, their beer style was and maybe that's part of it as well like if you don't invite them and if they aren't on the scene then you might just not think to go and then that does mean that they fall into obscurity but i guess it depends on what you want to be because i do remember that yeah. you know, probably around about 2010 2011 2012 uh, somewhere around that time um you know david who was so um fastidious but then was also um, sending beer up here to a essentially a part-time distributor who was not looking after the beers, and so the beers that were being poured weren't great examples of it. And it's you know I have a whole lot of things going through my mind, but one of them is you know that question around the business of beer, right? Like mm. maybe if it had, you know, I was thinking about um, we're seeing this resurgence of sort of classical styles right now, actually, and. I was thinking again about, um, and I've mentioned them millions of times, I'm sure by now, but craft work in New Zealand who produce very, you know, hand-bottled, very small amounts, but they have 100% stuck to their knitting yep. and are one of the sort of revered, they've just done their own thing, their own way um, for a very long time, but are revered amongst sort of beer beer geeks who still go back because it's very niche and it's very particular but they do not market like they haven't picked up that sort of evolution piece um and so as you were talking about distribution I was thinking you know if you really know that's who you are we're gonna we're gonna produce this style we're gonna do this um and but we don't want to grow you know we don't want to do all of these other things we're just gonna stick here Mm. then that's one thing but it was almost that it's that business challenge, right, where you need to distribute because you need to, to to grow because you need some capital investment, but you're not quite sure which direction to grow in. And, you know, a couple of wrong turns um, and, and it gets a lot, lot harder, you but, know. so. But that's where, yeah, like if, if, if you stick to your knitting and say this is what we want to be, that's fine. But I think there was, you know, there was an element of it's us against everybody, you know, in, in a very collegiate industry that, you know, 
not sharing, you know, it's not that they weren't generous of spirit because they gave these amazing beers. And sitting down with David to talk about beer was with such passion. But then when brewers say, well, how do you handle this problem? You know, I would hear from brewers say, you know, know, again, there was no sharing. And whilst you can respect, it doesn't necessarily engender a lot of goodwill. Um, And if you are going to be, you know, we're not going to move and progress and do these things, then, you know, having goodwill is, I guess, you know, something else that you need. And uh, you you just sort of ended up seeing a, a little bit of a bunker mentality is the way I would describe it. I don't know if this ties in. The other thing I was thinking about, Claire, in your article around um, hop development, you know, there was the line um, out of the US that says people are really focused on the new, not just in beer but also on hops. And, um, you know, we have seen that, you know, it's part of the thing that the the brews news, the three of us always talk about in terms of um, how hard it is for the beer industry to constantly be expected to have new, new, new all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, thing and so I just sort of thought you know that that kind of ties in with this you know the hops breeding for example the nectar on 17 years in development so hops take a really long time so when you're really looking for something new it is you know new ingredients Mm -hmm. new ways of doing things and when you look at the hop side that takes a really long time and so you sort of see I don't know this push and pull between doing things well and doing things in one space, you know, on the hops front, on the hops development front, on the run a beer brewery the one way and this sort of pull from the consumer for new, 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 you know. But there are businesses that constantly do that. You know, the the number of times I heard last week brewers telling me, you know, last year we released 200 beers, you know, or, you know, and there's a market for it. And, and, you know, I, I think... If you're playing in the traditional craft, oh, sorry, sorry, the modern craft beer space where it's all novelty, it's all new, it's all of these sorts of things, you know, and, and you can make it work, that's fantastic. You know, it's a way to constantly, it's a hard business model, but then so is just doing the same thing that you've always done and doing it well. And they had a cafe, yeah. um, you know, that they had a beer cafe um, that they was their outlet, their, their, their primary outlet, but and I can't even comment on what their volumes were um, mm. in, in Red Oak because David never told me the size of his brewery, but you presume that he's making potentially more beer than he can ever sell through his own cafe. And the last time that I went in there, it was actually a little bit sad because it was starting to feel more like a bar than a high art Bel- you know, uh, mm. Belgian-style celebration of food because, you know, mm. and, and, you know, it, it, it was just a shame. But um, I, I, we did write a story five or six years ago, actually, because there was a story that they were offering $150 kegs of lager or something like that. Um, and, you know, we, we had venues going, yeah, look, we're, we're putting it on, $150 keg, how can you go? And it was kind of like, this is what we need to do to just get our volume. And, um, it, yeah, it, it, look, it, it was an evolution in, in business because I don't, no, yep. I, I don't know too many breweries that are very open about talking about, well, you know, we're a 10-barrel brewery, you know, th- th- this is our grist, you know, all of those sorts of things. As I love to say, chefs do cookbooks. It doesn't mean you're Heston, um, you know. <laughs> um, so telling somebody that you've got 7%, uh, you know, peated malt in your grist mm-hmm. doesn't mean that somebody can make your beer and compete against you. Um, but there was just something about that mindset that seemed to... Um, count against the business and it's sad because i think in 
a slightly different form, it could have worked. Oh, it did, well, Especially it, it, now, as we've been talking in the previous weeks about the like the resurgence or the rise of European style lagers, and people really taking a look at that those uh, technical details of European style lagers and things like that, and. They did it. That they, that's what they did. Um, but, but maybe yeah. this is the opportunity, Claire. Like mm. maybe to you, exactly that. They've gone. Okay, our focus is no longer on the beer cafe. Our focus is on um, bringing people into our brewery, explaining <laughs> our like, high total U turn. Seventeen years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, seventeen years but late. Um, but look okay, again. But, Matt, but that's so maybe they're just hitting it at the point where there is a resurgence in classical styles. They've made a really smart business decision, and now they're going to capitalize on that and give and open their throw the doors open. Let's hope. I've missed Sabrina, sunny disposition. (laughs) So, not not cranky Matt. Um, Look, it, 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 you know. Smart business decision, business decision that's been forced on them, you know. Doesn't matter. Tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, just hopefully they survive. And, and hopefully, you know, it, it, people embrace it um, and the beers. Exactly. It's, it's a little bit like it's, it's, it's a little bit out of Sydney, so it's not like it's easy to get to. Um, oh, is it? Is it yeah. a bit of a Yeah. Well, Sorry. now that you have the address, well, yeah, we, we, which, we? which I haven't got. Um, no, we've, so, got, we've got the area, but not yeah. the exact address. So well, that was it. We, we did reach out to Brett Stubbs because we wanted to, because I thought we'd um, got the address to put it on the brewery database, um, but we, we, we didn't. We had the, the the beer cafe, but you know, so we emailed Brett Stubbs, and he still he said, oh, "This is where I've sleuthed it to, basically." <laughs> so, you know, one of the most knowledgeable, uh, you know, precise facts-driven, you know, people in the industry, even he was sort of going, I think this is it if it's still there, you know. So anyway, but anyway, look, that's, um, yeah, a lot to unpack in that one. So my next thing is fair. Now, we wanted to publish this, as I say, to be balanced. And it is an interesting one in that, obviously, you know, it's a good sign that people are seeking help if they feel like they've exactly. got an issue or there's harm or a problem. Um, exactly. But it's just, it felt to me really strange the way that they spun it. Like, alcohol is horrifying. This is what it does to people. But people are looking for help. It was really, it was, it was an odd, there was a few instances of really odd wording that were just classic fair. But... It generally, what what we're trying to say is, you know, this is good. You know, this is a good thing. Um, but they don't seem to see it when I don't think they like it because it makes them feel obsolete. If things there's like this are lot, happening, there's not a lot <laughs> pragmatic about fair. Mm. You know, which again, you, you need people um, to, you know, hopefully not to be extremist. You mm. know, um, but you need people who are driven to for change, and that and that's incredibly important. And you know, yes, alcohol businesses even when they educate, are going to be educating from a point of self-interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think about this a lot um, in two different ways. Too much. But one <laughs> is... <laughs> no, 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 it's about uh, us. Um, um, one of them is that, you know, in government or in any organisation, there's all sorts of reporting. So if you put this in the context of a small business, you have um, health and safety reporting, right? And often the reporting after the after an incident is kind of you know lagging indicators of how your organization is performing but if people are reporting i see a potential hazard um and then i'm going to do something about that Mm -hmm. actually you want that reporting to increase and if you're seeing a spike in hazard reporting that is actually a leading 
indicator of, of good business. It's the same for privacy breaches within government. People are really weird to, you know, people don't want to disclose that they've accidentally breached privacy. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you're reporting that you've done a privacy breach, an increase in reporting does not correlate to an increase in um, privacy breaches. It, it It's a, um, an organisational understanding mm-hmm. that... Um, these sorts of things need to be dealt with. And so I read this and go, actually, this is a really good sign. Mm -hmm. This says that this doesn't necessarily correlate to more people are in a harmful position. This shows that more people in a harmful position are seeking assistance, Mm -hmm. right, and asking for help. And so that's the point you were making, Claire, which I think is that's that's good news. That means all the work that organisations uh, health organisations have been doing, FAIR has, you know, been supporting, yeah. um, in fairness, uh, drink-wise, our breweries, everyone collectively has been doing to say alcohol can be harmful if you're not, if you don't, um, you know, t- manage care. it, yeah. take care. Um, and this is where you can go yep. to get help. I actually yep. think that's really positive. I agree as well because I think it's something that we talk about more as an industry now than potentially right. we ever have, which is fantastic. Yep. Like I don't know if you saw the Wildflower post about an ABAC thing, but um, ABAC's besides the point. Uh, but what um, I believe it was Topher said uh, was, to be brutally honest, I actually have a really difficult time rationalising the fact that we produce and sell this drug. Alcohol is the most widely abused drug in this and many other countries and is a factor, if not the main factor, in a shocking number of cases of domestic abuse and vehicular accidents amongst many other societal issues. I genuinely often wish our fermentations produced the flavours they do without the creation of alcohol. And I thought that was really interesting that someone who makes alcohol was saying that. But it's something that the industry grapples with, yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I love that we're talking about it more and the fact that it can be an issue and ways that we can deal with it, like, fair, like Sabrina was saying. THC, yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we uh, go. So back, it's going to become go. a hobby horse. I've but, got Matt down a rabbit hole. On. But but I will say, um, so and yes, fair. You know, when they do this to educate, um, that's exactly what their role should be. But you know, as I said, they refuse to accept that the industry is doing some good stuff as well, you know, conflicted as it is. But when you look at Drinkwise, some of the stuff that they did, yeah. um, Drinkwise did the Are Your Children Consuming Your Habits or Consuming Your Drinking? You know, they oh, did this like really good thing. Yeah. Watching, you know, your your children are watching your behaviour around drinking and replicating, replicating it. Um, and FAIR came out and criticised, or what was then FAIR, came out to criticise that campaign when it came out and then essentially adopted five <laughs> years later exactly the same yeah. messaging. And um, yeah. I, I also found an old one. There was a a really old, it was about a decade ago, um, it was Drinkwise came out with a campaign about how to drink properly and it was looking at the negative effects that young people had And it spoke to young people. It wasn't like the teacher saying, you know, hey, kids, don't do drugs. It was basically saying, yes, you can be sophisticated, you know, if you drink. But, you know, there's nothing sophisticated about a vomit beard, I think, was one of the, you know, (laughs) it was one of the underlying takeaways that you can actually, you know. Now, they weren't talking about the potential health implications of alcohol and things like that. And there is a role for others to do that. But it was still a very potent ad about drinking culture. But again, 
um, just as FAIR won't participate in ABAC, well, sorry, FAIR will participate in the ABAC process, but they won't actually legitimise ABAC by putting in a submission for what they need to, to do. Um, FAIR will criticise the industry's own campaigns whilst often mirroring their thing. And to me, that is actually an, an agenda-driven um, a, a approach, not actually looking at outcomes. It's we want to own this conversation. Yeah. We don't want to be part of other people's, and that's problematic. Yeah, and also it's very inflexible in that this is what we want and we will not compromise in any way, shape or mm. form or work with the industry because we're or right. anything. We're because we're right, right and you're wrong. Yep. And that's... That's not how we do it. That's not how you do it. <laughs> Sorry, Fat. So anyway, if oh. now, if you did want to, um, yeah, you know, it, talk about something on your yeah. packaging in a way ah, that like your medal, like your medal, you want a medal. If, if you've won a medal yeah. and you wanted to put, you know, a little bit of your bling, um, you know, on, on your packaging. Where would you go, Matt? I would go to Rowling's Labels, Stickers and Packaging, Claire, um, because they're not only able to supply labels for your cans or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, can trays, tap decals, barcodes, and shrink sleeves already applied to empty beer cans ready for filling. The guys often get asked where a brewery would buy a shrink sleeving machine, but that's a silly question if you're asking <laughs> yourself that right now. That's not the case. They come to your door palletized and ready to fill, nothing more to do. So if you want some gold medals or trophies or you know, even a bronze that you want to shout about, give them a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss further and as always in the show notes and also on the Australian Brews News Business Directory. But now, while, we, while we're paying sponsors, we do have a Beer of the Week. Uh, beer of the Week is brought to you by Bluestone Yeast. Bluestone Yeast ships all over the country and uses sustainable and environmentally friendly packaging. And there is a link that you can see in the show notes if you want to find out more. It's planetprotectorpackaging.com. That will tell you all you need to know about Bluestone Yeast's packaging. And it keeps the yeast cold for up to five days. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call Derek on 03 and talk all things yeast. And again, that phone number, those links are in the show notes. And it was lovely to actually have a quick beer with yeah! Dr. Derek. Uh, Dr. De oh, Derek. Hi, Derek. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so nice to put names to actual faces, faces. this time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Rami Abdullah from uh, Brayside Brewing messaged me and said, so nice to meet you because uh, it's like uh, I finally met my pen pal. <laughs> <laughs> We've just been talking over email for like three years. <laughs> now we know each other. Does anyone have a beer of the week that you want to talk about? I have been sick, so I haven't been really drinking, but I have been sipping on in the evenings, sharing a beer. Um, and I've been having the Four Pines Pacific Ale out of a bottle. I, um, I like it. I really and, like it. Yeah. And I really like it. I'm a fan. Like a, I'm with you. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I was a bit surprised um, and it, and I liked it because it was in a bottle and so mm -hmm. I felt a bit fancy midweek, um, even though it's a very normal you know, normal, easy drinking beer. So that's the only beer that I have consumed in probably a couple of weeks, other than, of course, Gab's Sydney, which is some time ago. Yep, I'm with you on that. Concur. I'm gonna, go well, on there, Matt. I, I'm going to throw a fairly controversial yeah, one in as well because getting around Gab's had some really nice beers, but again, didn't have a pen and paper out or anything like that. So the the, the one that did actually stand out is uh, <laughs> of all of the um, breweries I've, I, I visited, uh, I you know, ran into Nick Cogger, who I've known for 15 hey. years, 16 years um, uh, as a pen pal. Mm -hmm. um, finally got to have a, a, a beer with him at the uh, Better Beer stand. I know. Did so, you have a better beer? No, I didn't have Well, I had a better beer. It's, it was a Gab's beer or a beer that they were trialling. Ah, it was their XPA. So oh. I don't think it's available yet. Um, and... 
you can discuss till the cows come home whether you know what an XPA is, yeah. um, because yeah, I don't I'm think it's sure. been codified as a, <laughs> a, a as so a, no. but. Without talking about XPAs, I think it was very, very nice beer and it's a very, very nice uh, company. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not so shocked, but... We haven't talked about that. How was Gab's uh, Friday Gab's? Oh, it was fabulous. Melbourne. I've never been in that building Isn't before. That a, yeah. Oh, I was, as, a, as a total noob to Gab's Melbourne, walking into that venue was just wow. Like, it was a big mind blower. Mind blower moment. Um, so beautiful setting. Like there was loads of space as well. Like sometimes these things can get a bit crammed. Um, I was only there. I was there quite early. I had to catch a flight later on. Um, but just even wandering around it took me and Matt. Like I, I needed to bring Matt's charger. And <laughs> two hours later, I found him because I'd been speaking to so many people there. It was it was wonderful. It was a lovely lovely day. It, it was, was great. Great people. Yeah. And, and uh, like, again, um, to anyone who. I tried to have a conversation with, um, it, it's hellish trying to, you know, when you've got people all around you having conversations and you've got one, mm-hmm. one of you, um, it's <laughs> horrible. So if, if I inadvertently offended, you know, if I de- deliberately offended you, take oh, that. Well. But if I inadvertently, <laughs> in it, <laughs> I don't think. That's no, just not on the podcast. But if I accidentally, you know, um, got caught spiralling into a conversation with somebody else, I'm sorry. But uh, it was wonderful. <laughs> I love being back in that building, um, you know, to see so many industry people there. Mm-hmm. Um, great. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and shout out to, I believe, HBA, who um, did a sort of like a new new brewers type stand. It was really cool to see a few brewers that we might not have been able to make it on account of how friggin' expensive it can be. Um, like Love Shack was there and things like that. And I, and it was just really nice to see people that had only just started um, pottering yeah. about. So good on HBA for um, funding that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Next time we're going to catch up with people is going to be next week. Uh, the yes, West Australian Brewers. West Australian Brewers, yes. So, <gasps> I'm so jealous. that was just, they've just released their full program last night. I yep, think they yep, put it up. So yep. if there are folks thinking about who haven't got tickets to be at the conference, um, and it's pretty, if, if, if you're looking at, you know, if you've got to make some sales calls um, or you're looking at developing WA markets, it's a good time to head over there because it's a pretty good program and it's a, you know, it's a Western Australian Beer Week and the conference mm-hmm. is on, um, which is you know, getting stronger and stronger every year. Yep. Um, so and Matt and Sabrina are going to be there. So yeah. We'll be there. We're, we're going to be there along with some of our colleagues out of Queensland and we know some folks that are going to head over and we know of course that um you know Beerland are over in WA uh Perth Beer Awards it should be a pretty fun few days so that's exciting very very excited there's a few panels there that I'm really intrigued about as well so you'll have to report back oh we will don't you worry about that (laughs) lovely Um, my final shout out in other news is um that a couple of days ago the IBA released their eight uh, toolkit for members and um, I've been playing with the toolkit actually um, having a look at some of the stuff in there for a project that I'm working on and I just wanted to give a huge congratulations to the IBA as someone who's had to try and pull together those kinds of resources before um, it takes a huge amount of work but they're actually a tangible tool so within that toolkit there are a whole list of policy documents that you can pick up and edit for your business there are job descriptions for key roles like sales reps, breweries, 
There are um, guidelines around salaries. So really practical things that will save a small business time and money. And so um, if you you are a member of the IBA and you haven't uh, checked it out yet or you haven't flicked the email onto your HR team, I strongly recommend it. It is literally dollar and time savings in one email. So huge shout out to that. That's fantastic. That's what you need. Yep. So that was my congratulations. Now, another <laughs> uh, article that you um, found this week that you wanted to discuss, Sabrina, was yeah. cutting edge producers are ditching the brewery label <laughs> um, for a totally different drinks experience, which I found <laughs> fascinating. Like, talking about the post craft beer world. Found it, I found it so poncy. Sorry. Oh, I no, was no, just look, like, no. Oh, God. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, <laughs> so go read now. it. Um, yeah. it's, it's high wank um, in yeah. so many ways. Oh, yeah, Sorry, yeah, kiddies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, we uh, can post it to the to the Radio Brews news group. But I found this and I sent it to um, to Matt and then I've added it today to talk about because, as you know, Matt and I get into in-depth conversations. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there with my popcorn, just like the rest of the listeners. Whether labels matter and what do labels mean yeah. and, and what is a post-craft world and what is craft and so on and so forth. But what we have for heard. Um, and this is actually sort of one of the spaces um, that, uh, you know, when we think about marketing to younger millennials um, and really just this, the rise of seltzers, um, it really comes down to people want to drink what they want to drink and their younger drinkers are less concerned with what it's called. Is it an RTD? Is it a seltzer? Is it a beer? Is it a spirit? You know, labels matter less. And this article really just sort of reflected that changing consumer behaviour in the way some businesses are going about their business. Again, as you said, Claire, it sounds really um, pretentious. Pretentious. Okay, well, well, no, okay, okay. funnily enough, just, as, just, no, no, just as we're talking about, you know, <laughs> people don't care what they're drinking anymore. You know, craft beer, talking mm-hmm. about Red Oak, mm-hmm. making, you know, Baltic porters and making, yeah. you know, pale ales and stuff like that. This has just come up in my feed, description of some beers that have just uh, launched. An imperial goes dosed with raspberry puree, beetroot juice, marshmallows, and black truffle salt. Ooh. Right. Now, so w- w- what is that? Like, does, yeah. Why call okay. that a beer? Like, because it, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, you know. Right, okay, right, I'll give you that. Upside you down that. fruited imperial sour with edible glitter. So this is where. So I just. I think. Um, you and I, you and I have many a times at the same time or at different times been like, "That's not beer. Get over it." We've also discussed. It doesn't have to be like it, mm-hmm. drink it. Yeah, yeah, like but, it. but so the reason this matters, and this is what I think is actually sort of, you know, this is what we've struggled with, and this is mm. the dif- the difference between um, no alk and low alk, and where is the definition of low alk um, that you know doesn't exist? But it actually comes down to. Um, you know, at the very end of, of this long article, it actually talks, you know, the legal matters matter and it's, you know, if you're making a beer, um, then that has certain excise and food standard <laughs> yep. ramifications. Yep, 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 true. If you're making a spirit, it has certain food standards and excise ramifications. If your product is non-alcoholic, it has certain um, requirements that are different from alcoholic. And so this is where actually... Um, what consumers are pushing for, where uh, breweries and, in fact, other alcoholic and non-alcoholic producers are at, the lines are getting more blurred, but actually our legal structures 
our tax structures, uh, so by that I mean excise, our food standards, our labelling, even, to be fair, where our associations are, like, you know, um, does the IBA, you know, where does their remit begin and end? All of that stuff is starting to merge in mm. a way that hasn't existed in the past. And so it makes sort of this environment, this where our box is when we call ourselves the brewing industry, where does that end, much more <laughs> complex. So the, the, the only reason um, I laugh is that I've, I've basically been – it's taken me hours and hours and hours over the last five years to basically make that same argument that you've just made in like <laughs> a minute and a half. Well, that's because it's the Brody's version. <laughs> and so I just, I mean, it's fascinating, right? It's really interesting for us to grapple with. And, you know, um, you guys will have all seen Matt's reporting out of the US on THC and what that means for the industry. And, you know, I've been saying for some time, um, not to do a mat, but <laughs> you to, told me uh, so. Yes, yeah. but the point is that that's also going to uh, the introduction of that, uh, maybe not any time in the next three years, but possibly in the next ten years into the industry in Australia is going to further blur the lines. Um, and it's just something as an industry that you know we need to continue to grapple with in in complex and nuanced ways. So um, it's fascinating. Well said, well said, and concise. Read put. the article. <laughs> I could Read learn the a article. lot. But anyway, that wraps up another week of the news. Your hosts have been me, Matt Kirkegaard, Sabrina Kunz, and award-winning ah, Claire Burnett. Yeah. <laughs> the show is produced by. Non-award winning yet, Vivian Topalovich. She'll be there. <laughs> she will be there. Absolutely, <laughs> she'll be there. And edited by Joe Helder. We thank Crime Malt, Rallings, Label, Stickers and Packaging, Bluestone Yeast, New Zealand Ale Trail and Thirsty Merchants for their support in making this episode possible. Thank you all for listening. Share your thoughts on the show by emailing producer at bruisenews.com.au. And if we have read out your stuff, uh, please drop us a note with a bar blade, with your address so we can send you a Bruise News bar blade. Uh, you can also leave a review on your favourite podcasting service. Apparently, we've only got 4.9 oh, on... Oh, uh, 4.9. Well, Rookie uh, numbers. As I said, I think my Uber rating is 4.89 and I've <laughs> never... Um, done anything like anything but a perfect guest in an Uber. So four point nine is pretty good. <laughs> so you says. can't please all of the people all the time, well, particularly when true. you say what we say. Um, but you can leave a review on your favourite podcasting service, and that does help people to find us. And on that, for another week, we're out. Boom! That's an award-winning boom I right are. there. <laughs> <laughs>